Amen. You may be seated. Boy, that'll wake you up on this rainy Sunday morning, won't it? Great job, guys. As the kids make their way downstairs, uh, let's just give them another hand for uh, kind of moving their faith forward. A to Z, memory verses. That's just awesome. And uh, they are about to uh, go receive the fruits of their labor. I think that a jumpy house has been delivered uh, on the East Lawn. So um, God is good, and we want to reiterate that uh, and give them a little reward for for their their work. Uh, So the kids have been moving their, their faith forward this past year with those memory verses. Now it's our turn. Uh, to move our faith forward. And uh, we're going to continue our series this morning. If you were here last week, you remembered uh, we opened this series with a message called Be Still, that if we're going to pursue our relationship with Christ, the first thing that we need to do is just stop, is just to be still and to know that He is God and allow Him to pour Himself into us. Today I want to move us to another facet of of this whole uh, idea of moving our faith forward, I want to talk about getting past your past this morning. Getting past your past. Let me ask you something. How is your past impacting your present? How is your past impacting your present? Have you learned from it? Or are you just living in it? Is it a rudder to guide you or is it an anchor that holds you back? You know, nothing shapes us in this world more significantly than our past. Than our families of origin, than the relationships that we've had, than the mistakes that we have made The people, the places, the tragedies, the triumphs, the directions we've taken and the decisions that we have made, they mold us into who we are. But they are not the maker of the mold. Amen? God is the maker of the mold. And we are His masterpiece, Ephesians tells us. We are created with a plan and a purpose that God put into effect since the foundation of the world that is not determined by our yesterday. That's the beauty of Jesus. Listen to me. That's the miracle of the cross. That is the core message of Christianity. That you can get past your past because of what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. To varying degrees, we all have a past that is not pleasing to God. But in God's eyes, there are no varying degrees. We all fall short of His glory. We all fall short of His righteousness. But the good news is that Jesus specializes in getting us past our past. That's why he came. If you'll remember, when Jesus began his ministry, he launched his earthly ministry. He read from Isaiah and he said, I have come to set the prisoners, what? Free. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to wipe the slate clean. I've come to give you a new life. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And we are new. We are recreated through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Our identity is in Him, not in who we were or what we've done. That's the heart of the gospel. That is the message at the core of the good news of what Jesus brings to us. We are not defined by our sin. We are not defined by our past. Guy said to his friend, he said, Man, you look depressed. What are you thinking about? His friend said, I'm thinking about my future. He says, well, what makes it so hopeless? He said, my past. Some of you are right there this morning. And you are right there. You've lost hope for the future because of what the past has held. Let me just remind you, the heart of the gospel, the heart of what Jesus brings to us is hope. It's hope. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we say hallelujah, because Jesus gives us hope. Outside of Christ, there is no hope. So if you're a believer this morning, you have hope in your past, no matter what is in it does not determine your future, and it does not define you. The heart of the gospel is hope, and the reality that in Christ we are literally recreated, we are rebooted with a brand new identity, a new hope, and a new future. Do not be a prisoner to your past. Easier said than done, isn't it? Let it inform you, let it teach you, but do not let it define you. And if your past is holding you back this morning, I want to challenge you to do three things. And the first one is simply this, leave it. Leave it. Leave it behind. Paul told the Philippians this, And you remember Paul's story. We're going to talk about that. A story of transformation with a a horribly checkered past. Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, man, my past is still nibbling at me. I'm not completely past my past. It's still nibbling at me. He said, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And we will not fully take hold of it this side of heaven. But Paul says this, One thing I do, one thing I do, he said, I'm forgetting what's behind me. And I'm straining toward what is ahead. I'm going to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's pressing on, putting his past in the past, allowing Jesus to forgive that and to cover that. And he's pressing on into the purpose and plan that God has for his future. Paul never looked back. If there's anybody in the Scripture that had a reason to look back, it was Paul. Paul never looked back. 
He lived through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. He had a lot of past to leave behind. Before Paul encountered Jesus on the Damascus Road, if you remember that, Paul is just going about his business. He is torturing. He is killing Christians. You remember he held the cloaks and ordered the death of Stephen. Ordered him to be stoned. Stood by as he was stoned. Paul's doing that as a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a persecutor of Christians, a killer of Christians, a persecutor of the church. His entire purpose before he met Jesus on the Damascus Road was to eradicate the people of God, the people of the way, the Christians. He had a lot of past to leave behind. How do you get past that kind of past? You know, I mean, we all got a past. Very few of us have a past like Paul had. But how do you get past that kind of past? How do you get that kind of picture out of your mind after you've been transformed in Christ? God doesn't just just wipe away our memory. He doesn't just... Give us this this gift of forgetfulness over the places we've been and the things we've done, the people we've hurt and the people who've hurt us. How do you get those pictures out of your mind? How do you get that guilt off your conscience once you know the truth? Paul said this to his protege, Timothy. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. Paul knew who he was. Paul knew what he had done. But Paul also knew the depth, the power, and the reach of God's grace. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Of whom, Paul said, I am the worst. Man, I throw up my hand right behind him. Then he tells those in Antioch, he says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. Set free from the past. Set free and released from sin's hold on us. Man, in Christ we leave our past behind. It informs us. We don't forget it. It teaches us, but it does not define us. You are not defined by what you've done. You are not defined by what has happened in the past. It does not dictate our tomorrow. I want to just encourage you. This morning, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, to receive what has been proclaimed to you in Christ Jesus. Hear me. The complete forgiveness of your sin. Every sin. Every mistake that you have made. Every poor decision that has messed your life up or someone else's life, Paul says, I proclaim to you the work of Christ on the cross. 
complete forgiveness, set free because of what Jesus bore on our behalf at Calvary. Leave it. Leave it there. Leave it at the cross. You cannot move ahead by constantly looking back. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to hold you back. Man, we've got to learn from our past, but we cannot live in it. As we were singing the song, Hallelujah, just the sovereignty of God, it just fell upon this place. The reality that God is worth our praise. That God is greater than anything that we could possibly think or imagine. As I was thinking about that this week, it, it, God stands outside of space and time. Okay, just wrap your minds around that for a minute. God is outside of space and time. He's not locked in the clock like we are. Okay, so God, the creator of the universe, the, the one who is eternally uh, in the past and eternally in the future. He has always been the great I am. He stands outside of the reality of space and time. He sees the end from the beginning of your life. It's hard for us to get a hold of that. He's already seen every step you'll take, every decision you'll make, everything that you will do, your life from birth to death and beyond. God already sees that. He already knows that. He saw your past in His present before the foundation of the world. And He chose then to forgive it fully on the cross at Calvary. That's a big deal. We're talking about the God of the universe he knows you inside and out, coming and going. Literally, there is nothing that we can hide from Him. After her encounter with Jesus, the woman at the well, if you'll remember in John 4, said this. She said to her friends, man, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Jesus is God. Could this be the Christ? Five husbands, Jesus had told her. A promiscuous past. Man, know this. Nothing makes God flinch. Nothing. Nothing takes Him by surprise. Nothing. Nothing you've ever done, nothing you're doing right now, nothing you will do in the future. And nothing is beyond being forgiven in Christ. Man, that's good news. That's good news for me. I tell you what, I, I ran crazy for about 26 years. I didn't come to Christ till I was 26 years old. Best decision I made in those years was sitting right here. And God redeemed my life. You're talking about a mess. Man, I made a mess. You're talking about forgiveness. I was in need of it. Still am. You're talking about a past that could haunt you. I've got one. But His blood covers that. 
And he calls us to leave that behind. Forget what is behind. You know, the enemy will try to drag me back there. The enemy will try to bring those images back to my mind from time to time. The enemy will try to take me to a place where I'm living in my past or I'm living in regret. And he'll do the same to you. But God says, press on. Press on. Fix your eyes on him, on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Nothing is beyond being forgiven by him. To the woman caught in adultery, Jesus said, who condemns you now? And she said, no one. And he said, neither do I. Go and what? Sin no more. Leave it. Don't live in it. Leave it. And if you want to get past your past, leave it behind and lay it at the foot of the cross. And then you've got to grieve it. Then you've got to grieve it. Second Corinthians 7 says, Godly sorrow. Just a grieving heart before God. Godly sorrow brings repentance, a change of direction. That's what that word means. Metamorpho. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. How many of you got some regrets? How many of you are living in regret? How many of you are being like whipped over the head by the enemy with regret? Godly sorrow brings repentance. We lay that before the Lord. God, I'm sorry. We grieve it. And that's what brings us to Christ in the first place. And that ultimately is what brings His forgiveness into our lives. And that forgiveness, when we grab a hold of that, and we grab a hold of Jesus for all that He is, pushes all the regret out of our lives. But worldly sorrow... Just, hey, I'm sorry. Not sorrow, sorrow before God. Just, hey, I'm sorry. Wish I hadn't have done that. Boy, I hate I got caught. That kind of, Two different kinds of sorry. That kind of sorrow doesn't lead to life. That kind of sorrow brings death. Because that regret's not going to go away. And the enemy is going to beat you to death literally with it. Regret is an anchor that keeps you from sailing into God's purpose for your life. It pulls you down and it holds you back, but repentance comes in the light of God's holiness. And it breathes God's grace and Jesus' life into us. A fresh wind into our sails. Where are you living with regret this morning? Where are you living with regret? It just sort of pops up, the same deal, consistently. Maybe a decision you made. Maybe somebody you hurt. Who knows? Maybe something you've done. It just keeps rising to the surface. And what is done is done. There is no changing that. But it does not have to define you. Repentance is the gateway to redemption. And that's the beauty of the cross. That's what this thing we do here is all about. That is the core message of the cross of Jesus Christ. That in Him, because He bore our burden, He took our sin upon Himself, we are fully forgiven, totally redeemed, 
and reconciled to God for all eternity. That's the message of Christianity. That's what this is about. Man, stay on your knees before God with regret, with your past that continues to haunt you and lay it at the cross and don't get up until you know it's gone. That's His promise to us. That's where forgiveness is found. And if you're going to get past your past, you've got to leave it, you've got to grieve it. You've got to grieve your sin. Not just a worldly sorrow, but a godly sorrow. Grieve the poor decisions and the part you've played and the mess you've made. Grieve it. That's what King David did in Psalm 51. David says this. If you'll remember, David had this. He was the king of Israel, man. He was sitting on the top of the perch. He had it all laid before him while his men went to war. He stayed behind, idle hands. He sees Bathsheba taking a bath. His eyes are drawn to her. He calls her in. He has an affair with Bathsheba, who is married to one of his soldiers, Uriah, who is fighting on behalf of Israel, on behalf of him. At that time, Bathsheba gets pregnant. David then, in order to cover his sin, ultimately has this man of integrity, this soldier of integrity and character, has him killed by pushing him to the front line to try to hide his sin. So David is not only an adulterer, David is a murderer at this time. This man after God's own heart. And David says this after Nathan the prophet, his dearest friend, Nathan the prophet, shares with him the sin that he has committed in a beautiful story, and it impacts David. And David says this, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. This is how we repent. This is godly sorrow. He said, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. I'm holding on to my past. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. How many of you need some of that? Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit. To sustain me. Man, that's what it looks like to grieve your sin. What's haunting you? What sin is defining you? What sin do you need to lay before the Lord once and for all this morning? Grieve it. And repentance is the gateway to redemption. Grieve your sin and also grieve your loss and pain. Grieve your loss and pain. Some things are, are our own fault. And in some things in our past that we've experienced are other people's fault. That we had absolutely no control over. 
Grieve the childhood that you lost. Grieve the parent you never had. Grieve the relationships that failed. Don't hide from it, but don't hold on to it either. Where there's unforgiveness, forgive. And as difficult as that is, forgive. Some of you are holding on to a lot of unforgiveness from the past. And you can't accept that promise of freedom in Christ until you're willing to let that person go. You're willing to release them and forgive them. I love the way Frederick Beekner put it. I've shared this before you uh, many times, but I just love this quote. It's so poignant when it comes to holding on to unforgiveness. He says, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you're going to give back. In many ways it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that you are wolfing down yourself. You are the skeleton at the feast. Unforgiveness. It's like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. Who do you need to forgive this morning? Where do you need to grieve your loss and your pain from your childhood, from a marriage that didn't work out, from, from a child who's, who, who's, who's, who's a prodigal? I mean, where do you need to grieve your loss and your pain this morning? And lay it at the foot of the cross. And leave your past behind. Grieve it. And then finally I close with this. Believe it. Man, believe that God can and will do what He says He will do. In Joel chapter 2, the beautiful verse. Talking about the, the pain, the loss, the sin, the past of the people of Israel. And God makes them this promise. He says this. He says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. God said, believe me. Believe my promise of restoration. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I will repay you for your loss. I will repay you for your pain, he says. You will have plenty to eat until you're full. You'll praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. That's his promise. God is God of restoration. And he can restore and redeem your past. Believe it. Believe it. That's His promise to us. That's the hope we have. That's the good news of the Gospel. And some of you just need to say yes today. You just need to say yes. Put a stake in the ground and say, Yes, God. Yes, Lord Jesus. I believe it. I believe that You're greater than my past. I believe that You're bigger than my regret. Yes to Jesus. Yes to His forgiveness. Yes to finally getting past your past. You know, as we close this morning, and as the band comes, if that's where you are, 
and you're in a place whether you, whether you have never embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before this day or not, or if you have been a Christian for 30 years and yet your past continues to haunt you, I want to challenge you, sitting right where you are this morning, to say yes in your heart. Yes to the promises of God in Christ Jesus concerning the forgiveness of your sin, and yes to the promises of God concerning your restoration and redemption, believing that God truly can make you new and give you a clean slate. Let's bow our heads and just pray this prayer after me, right where you are. Lord Jesus, I say yes to your forgiveness. Lord, I say yes to getting past my past. Thank you for wiping my slate clean. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making me new again. I trade my sin for your righteousness. I trade my regrets for your plans and your purpose. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me a hope and a future that is not determined by my past. In Jesus' name I pray, and all my hope is in Him.